Hi there. Welcome to Stoked to Be Here. I'm your guest host, Phil, uh, for this episode of the podcast. Uh, and hopefully you'll see why I'm the guest host uh, fairly soon. Uh, so for this episode, I am joined by the front half of Stella Tandem, uh, Stevie Massey. Uh, Stevie, welcome to your own podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, that's quite surreal, isn't it, in a way? But uh, I think there's method to the madness in the end. So, yeah. I hope so. Uh, pleased to... Yeah. yeah, I know as a, as a listener to the podcast, I've been wanting to hear uh, hear a bit more about your and Laura's uh, sort of background and how you got into this. So I hope that the listeners will find it interesting too. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I think things normally start off uh, with these podcasts with sort of how did you get into cycling? Uh, is it something that you've always done since, since being a child? Were you always sporty or is it something that you've come to later in life? Um, well, from my point of view, uh, apart from uh, what you alluded to there, the, the always being on a bike thing, that was definitely uh, there. I, I have an older brother and you had hand-me-down bikes and you were whizzing around the close on a single speed, um, you know, striker, grifter, well, grifter with three speed, but those kind of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it was just one year um, uh, coming it must have been september i don't i don't know if i should tell her the year because it can give me age away (laughs) maybe i have to it was it was it was was sort of around the september 87 mark and my mum was walking me somewhere well not walking i was older but we were walking along and it was like oh what do you want for christmas this year and i don't i don't know and i always said i don't know uh and she said well would you like a bike uh and i went oh yeah and and in those days late 80s that the, you know, the imitation racing bike was all the all the rage. There was no such thing as a mountain bike, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So Christmas '87, I got my Rally Flyer, and but just before that, myself and my brother had to, you know, flick through, uh, you know, a pamphlet brochure from Rally and look at your bikes. And I chose one that was, you know, had just a really good colour scheme that I liked and. Uh, which is basically sort of the rally professional sort of logos, which was primarily a white frame with blue, red, and yellow sort of in stripes. And I went, that's the one for me. And uh, yeah, and that's how it started. But so what happened was we got the bikes for Christmas and it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just a puppy that we wanted to give back. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, wow, I've got this bike. I'm riding it through a very mild winter that I remember. And I just couldn't stop riding it. And I was, I did an eight mile loop then, there and back and then round twice and then round three times told my parents it was some 25 miles and I wanted to do my first 50 mile and so you were straight into like wanting that. to do distance you know, from the outset yeah I, I, before the bike I'd already got quite prolific at long distance swimming um okay once I learned to swim I there was the 10 meter badge then the 20 25 meter badge 50 yeah. I immediately said what's the biggest badge and it was like, it was five kilometers. And I was like six years old, six, maybe seven, eight. And certainly, uh, it, it, I think I was six. And it was like, right, I want to do, I want to do the longest badge. And I, and I couldn't swim any stroke other than backstroke barely with my arms. Uh, but I, uh, I swam the 5k. So, so even then there was always this endurance thing uh, going on. So once I got the bike, it was very exciting that, um, I just wanted to uh, ride it further and further and further. Fantastic. Excellent. 
And so what then uh, what then led you to, to sort of where you are now and wanting to do wanting to do the uh, around the world uh, on the tandem? It's quite a quite a big gap there. I'm guessing there must be some milestones along gap, the way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I guess um, you know. I, I've been imbued with the spirit of long distance cycling, you know, obviously without even realizing it right from then almost, uh, or in general, um, um, not about, I say not about speed because once, once I got into cycling, uh, with that bike and then the next race bike, I did get into time trialing and to go as fast as possible over the shortest distances. But I also knew that time trials came very early on from distances of 10 miles, which is the famous club 10, which is, was always done on fairly busy roads in those days mm-hmm. and you used to try and go on a pan flat course as fast as you could um, to make some magic markers, you know, because the, therefore the time for 10 miles would be, or you're a 25 minute man or 24, or 23, 22. If you're a 21 minute man, you were, you know, national class and going to start winning things. Yeah. So, uh, so it was always about doing that, but with the, with busier roads and, and the way things changed, uh, changing the distances to make more of a race on a safer course became something that went through my sort of juvenile years. But yeah, so I got into racing as well. And I was always, I got pretty good at the short distance stuff. But uh, once I knew that I could start doing the longer time trials, which would be like your hundred miles or your 12 or your 24 hours, that's what really got me uh, sort of excited, just how much pain you can put yourself through really. And so, so yeah, so having got that bike, uh, uh, basically start of 88 within a couple of years i was time trialing uh then i was a very good junior juvenile going into junior rider then got into audax a few years during that period and then onwards and and life goes on and then you, you don't become a professional because guess what there's no lottery funding for me at that time and uh you kind of go well i'm pretty good i could make it it wasn't very uh, sort of a inviting it wasn't an enticing career for uh, someone um, in the in the early nineties, very sort of different up. funding landscape back then. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it had, I, I often believe, had the lottery funding been there, or the, the in the sort of investment in schools to bring talent out, um, then I would have gone down a completely different path. But as it happens, I'm very happy with my life because I've had a great time, and uh, cycling is a you know a joy. So. So I carried on riding, then long distance cycling is just one of those things where you go on holidays, you make your touring, you camp in perfectly sort of um, natural, organic way of doing things. And then find out about a club called, a real niche club called Audax. Mm-hmm. And that was so strange because, you know, after you've done your first hundred miler, you kind of think, oh, what now, what now? And I thought that's about as far as anyone could ride on a bike. And then you find out that there's these bunch of strange Largely men those times were, were some women. And now there's, you know, obviously parity uh, is always there because women are probably better endurance athletes than men, but that's aside. Um, but we get this thing where in kilometres, there's this organisation that does organised rise at 200 and 300 and 400 and 600 kilometres. And I went, this is just bonkers. I've got to get involved with that. <laughs> and And you do. And then you find out about it and then you realise all the tricks that you have to over the years of how do, you, how, how do you really be comfortable? Well, firstly, you're not really comfortable, but then you go, how do you not get sore than the average man? And, and then you kind of work out all these ways of, 
And yeah, and then something fantastic about doing a long ride, a really, really long ride that you go, a motorcyclist doesn't want to do this. A car driver doesn't want to do this. And you've just done that in a day or over a weekend. So yeah, it must be incredibly your original question, Yeah, and that's your original question. After all those sort of years, maybe another decade after getting that bike, uh, I've been doing that. And going around the world is always there always there for everyone that's ever loved long distance riding and well, i suppose it's the ultimate my, long distance uh, route to do isn't it where, where do you go after that yeah well you've done individual rides it all comes back you'll do a circular whatever even if you if you go out you've got to come back uh, by flying or something but most of the time it's a circular ride and that ends there but what about the biggest circular ride of the lot yeah but mainly the reason this opportunity is here for me is because because of meeting laura and she's a, a master planner the amount of planning that it requires to, to try and go around the world, uh, I've only just sort of started to learn. And it's taken like 12, 18 months of hard, hard work. And I think that's why I hadn't gone around the world before. And this is why we're going around the world now. So uh, it takes two, you know, putters and leavers or uh, doers and, um, and, and and go along with us. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm... I could, I could always have done it, you know, over the last 20 years and I wasn't going to do it by myself. So this is why we're in this opportunity. Excellent. Good stuff. And so um, where do tandems fit into the, into the picture? Is that something that you sort of got into after meeting Laura or have you got experience of tandem riding well, prior to that? I got into tandem riding when I mentioned about time trialling. Uh, when I just started time trialling as a, as a juvenile, there was a, a tandem scene, very, very small niche scene where they do these um, tens or 25 time trials. And they'd also have a tandem event, like a, a series event going through a bit like, um, you know, a darts league where you'd have your home event and then you'd go around several, several different places and then play home and away. So, so there would be, you know, if, if, there were, if the various affiliated clubs were into this tandem league, they, you'd do their local time trial sort of every every fortnight uh, through several seasons uh, several seasons of the month months of the season but so I got onto the back of a tandem there and that was the first time I'd ever been on a tandem and you realize that you know your power could get put through and the speed was greater on the flats mm-hmm. so by the time I got into uh, adult life I suppose uh, my first sort of uh, relationship, the, the the lady I met the the girl I met she she wasn't really a cyclist and I just thought well tandems are the future for that because you don't have to be a cyclist I'm the cyclist we get a tandem you jump on the back and um, you've not got to learn all the skills that I spent ten years learning if you really don't want to you can just sit there trust me and we can do all the things that I wanted to carry on doing yep. and and that's where it went and so the time I met Laura uh, I I already had two tandems and I went. Fancy ride in tandem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. You know, and, and that's the way it went, really. Good stuff. Uh, so just winding back a bit to the earlier things, I know you've done, oh, I've known you for, uh, for a few years now, uh, Stevie. I know you've mm-hmm. done a few uh, sort of different bits and pieces and some different events uh, building up to, up to this. Um, so I was wondering sort of what, what you pick out as sort of highlights of, uh, your sort of cycling career up, up to date. For example, I know you've done the Paris Brest Paris, uh, the PVP, a yep. couple, at least a couple of times, I think. 
Yeah, the Paris Press Paris. Joggle record as well at one point. Yeah, I can explain those things. Yeah, so, so, so firstly, yeah, PVP is Paris Brest Paris. That's that was before Audax became um, sort of a, perhaps global in terms of uh, events. That was the, um, the the prestige event, which is uh, where in an Audax series you went up to six hundred kilometers. This one was twelve hundred kilometers. Wow. So from Paris to the coast of Brest um, in Brittany and back. And that's once every four years, almost like that Olympic cycle. So, and you had to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you weren't just allowed to enter, pay money and turn up. You had to sort of um, earn your stripes before you get there. So, so yeah, that was um, a really, really, that, that, that every order actor, everyone into long distance cycling always says, I want to do PBP. So uh, I did that um, when I was probably in my sort of pomp, if you want to use that phrase like that. And, uh, yeah, I was a top five percent finisher. Uh, uh, I went the wrong way, and there's various issues, but I still finished um, well within the top five percent wow. of two and a half thousand people. Um, in in it, basically, if you do PBP in under sixty hours, you are a very very fast rider. Um, and so, and what did you do it in? Steve? I've done it since. Uh, I did it in uh, 60 hours, yeah. Nice. Uh, just, just over 60 hours. Without going the wrong way, it would have been sub-60, but that's just like me having to live with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that same sort of time, I was uh, racing sportifs, and I was doing quite well in, in any kind of sportif, going straight to the elite level, and uh, probably my best claim to fame in sportifs was a, was a three-day sportif called the Toro Wessex, and um, I, I, I was the overall winner of that uh, on one year in the in the, in the noughties. So so my aggregate time over those three days was the fastest to complete the whole thing. So bearing in mind that there's many hundreds of people, avid avid amateur riders, yeah, to be the the fastest there was showed that I had some quality and perhaps national races, you know, the, like the national twenty four hour time trial. I did that a few times and was fourth. Uh, a couple of times in, in a national, which which kind of means you're you're not just uh, you're not just a fill in the places. You are pretty much it, it, you know the top end of things. So, uh, but the the you know the Derby Lands End John O'Groats you called you know uh, the the Dealy Jogdy as, as <laughs> I called it because it, it was basically uh, I, I'd never ridden Lands End to John O'Groats and and this was going on twenty years into being a cyclist and think well how can you not do that when you live in England and uh, it's got to be the first thing on on everyone's radar as a long distance cyclist at some point you go from the bottom to the top of the country so I had this time and I said well I don't like taking my bike on a train uh, you know it can get damaged I, I kind of got I wouldn't say it's anxiety it's just like I like my precise bike just the way it is so I said well the best thing for me to do is to cycle from Derby to Lands End do Lands End John O'Groats and then ride back as you do so, yep. as you do and I kind of and I never forget it it was a bit of an act of flippancy and I kind of regret that kind of person that I can be but somebody was chatting about it and was talking about how they were doing it in under 10 days and they were in a pub and and I went well I could go there and back in under 10 days and they went they were ridiculous and and then I thought oh, I was, I was in the morning I thought it was a bit harsh and, and I hate myself when I say things like that so but then it never never left me I thought I need to prove it 
not to them because they won't even remember me, but to myself, because I said that. I said I could do that. I need to go and do that. And I won't have been valid until I, until I do that. And that's what I did. I, I trained really, really hard and I went unsupported, um, which is kind of Audax. And it was kind of uh, pre the bike packing. Uh, bike packing was just taking off, but I wasn't really aware of it. So ultra lightweight gear, I did not have. I, I still had to have two panniers on the back and yeah. um, a knackered old roll mat that weighed about a kilo and, 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 and sleeping bag and stuff. But I didn't take a tent, so I knew I was being aware of weight. And I just slept in bushes and um, next to five bar gates uh, and, you know, did over 200 miles a day on a, on a pretty heavy touring bike um, for, for nine and a half days to go from Derby to Lanzan, John O'Groats and back. And at that point, it wasn't even seen as a, you know, a major uh, ride, as it were, as a, as a record attempt. And it's become something now. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe at one point it was an unsupported record because, uh, you know, unvalidated or, or fastest known time. If anyone knows anyone that's gone without any help whatsoever, carrying everything that has done Lands End, John O'Groats back in under, in under 10 days, then they can have that title. But at that point, that was it. So I've, I've obviously got that kind of thing in me, you know, uh, and met Laura and I think she... Uh, couldn't believe these sort of stories and it just excited her and enticed her to go, is this real? Can this really be done? You know, and in a few short years of being together, she's planning our uh, circumnavigation of, of the globe. Absolutely. That's an amazing story. Um, so is that something you think you'll, you'll go back to now that's become more of a sort of a recognized record, uh, the land, the lead job lands in John McGroats or. Well, it's, it, the, th the weird thing is support that, and it goes back to the um, uh, around the world as well. The, the difference between supported and unsupported is huge. So if you're un if you're fully supported, you can ride a bike weighing nine kilograms, seven kilos, even you know UCI weight. You can have the lightest bike you want. You've been provided with um, sandwiches, bottles, uh, all your fuel. You're going to have a motorhome to sleep in for an hour, three hours, whatever, whenever you want. So as opposed to you're carrying all that thing, my bike weighed um, the equivalent of three carbon bikes and you're getting dirty, dirtier and dirtier. You've got no one to help you. You try to make friends with a garage attendant, you know, who's going to, who's asking if you've got any fuel and you've turned up covered in midges and yet stinking to high heaven. And I went, this is my fuel, you know, on some manky prawn sandwich and, uh, and another milkshake. So the difference between those, those supported and unsupported is, is massive. So the, the, the uh, you start looking at supported records and I looked at the, you know, the numbers. So the numbers add up. What I could do, I think I could have a crack at it because you're not averaging 21 mile an hour for, for, you know, 1800 miles. You're down at 15 to 17. And guess what? That's what I can ride all the time. And if you're supported and you've got a network of the nutrition, massage, and everything, like Mark Beaumont literally took that to the, the ultimate in riding a bike 15 mile an hour for 240 miles a day for 78, 78 days, 78 and a half days. So, so I don't, I'm not want to say I'm not anywhere near the level of Mark Beaumont, uh, but having the infrastructure around you to do those things makes things possible if you've got the engine and you're know, the athletes. So, um, anyone, there's so many ultra endurance athletes there that they've got their quirks and their eccentricities and will never get 
backing to do something on a supported level. Yeah. But an unsupported level is something that you can all aspire to. You can save some money. You can ask for sponsorship. You can you can go out there and you've got that kind of um, original, uh, real way of traveling. And, and that, I think, adds the excitement to a, a project like we're doing. And as I understand it, Steve, the, uh, like Guinness don't recognise any difference between supported and unsupported. Is that right? Yeah, and that is, that is, still, that is still very much true. And I don't know if that's because Guinness is, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's maybe how many baked beans you can eat with a cocktail stick or how long you can ride a bike uh, in, mm-hmm. in a week or, or ride around the world. So, yeah, they, they don't understand the nuances of every profession or, or extreme events so so yeah they really ought to for something like around the world because the distances are huge the closest we've probably got right now is mark beaumont's supported record and jenny graham's unsupported female solo world record which is like 120 something days which i think is yeah astounding that's amazing for, yeah. uh, an, un, an unsupported record the reason we're going for 180 on a tandem is the record is a lot, lot greater than that. Tandems have so many more um, problems uh, to deal with. You know, you've got two people on a bike, you've got two people to stay healthy, um, two people to feed, drink, or, or I need to stop, I need to stop, you know. And the bike is, is more cumbersome. You know, it'll go great in a straight line, but we've got to ride this thing laden and have so many more sort of uh, parameters or things to go wrong, options, if you know it's not just you're looking after yourself on a lightweight bike with some decent bike packing gear this is a laden machine and you know the idea of it working perfectly for every day for 180 days isn't going to happen so I've got to be aware of that and try and be my own mechanic on my point of view Laura will be dealing with uh, all her logistical side of things where there might be a camping opportunity where there might be a, a cheap hotel where there might be place we get food we've got to deal with our witness statements and our uh, a logbook the whole time yeah. and i you know I, I actually think could we do it faster than 108 miles a day and i'm going well maybe theoretically if we'd already did it but up to now that seems like an unbelievable big ask as it is as it were so you say we're trying to use our intelligence of what we've done to go what's conceivably possible and then what, you know, and what's a push and, and what's just possible. So it's just that line in the sand where you've got to go, I think that is a really, really, really tough ask for anyone. And if we do that, then we finish. If someone wants to break our record, we go, well, we've, we've done what we did. We didn't want to literally take ourselves to sleep deprivation levels that we've done on shorter events. We've got to try and remember most of this trip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it must be a really difficult balance to strike between something that's that's achievable, um, but still something that's a challenge and uh, that you're going to look back yeah. on and be proud of, uh, and not wonder what if could we have shaved off a day here or a day there. Yeah, I imagine there will always if be. We're not going to be that. stopping. If there's a seventh wonder of the world, uh, if there's seven wonders of the world on on route, uh, we won't be stopping to see any of those. If, if you can see it whilst we're moving, we'll look, uh, but we won't be stopping. And that that's kind of um, people go, "What are you doing that for? This is a once in a lifetime thing." But uh, we are actually racing. But we're racing without racing. So the racing is that bit where you go, 
oh, next time. I love this. This area looks fantastic. I wish I could stop here a week. Yeah. And and that and that and that will go in the notebook and you'll hopefully go back, back there. at some point. Absolutely. And so I think you're doing it well, I know you're you're to all intents and purposes unsupported, but looking at having a few kind of bag drops or equipment drops along the way. Is that yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's not supported. That's you using uh, yeah logistical stuff. I mean, suppose space. For example, you're cycling and you didn't want to use a tent for a whole continent. You could post your tent over yeah. uh, a continent. You know, so so yeah, we're, we're we're planning on trying to use the spares that I've bought for the for the tandem because to use um, the spares that you want at the right time is a lot better than going to a little bike shop and going, what can you possibly do to help? Absolutely. Me? Yeah. And a lot quicker My as well, out. most importantly. Yeah. And a lot quicker. So, so, and the world being, you know, six degrees of separation, um, you know, we're all, we're lucky enough to know people in lots of areas through, you know, my best friend might know someone in Singapore and guess what? A few emails later, they're, they're, they can receive a package for yeah. you and it'd be much better to send that there and they go, Hey, we're going to get a cup of tea or a beer and do you mind if I surface a bike here? Brilliant. You know, and that kind of thing. And we'll know in advance if the stuff's arrived. So a couple of bag drops, mainly for tires, cassettes, chains, um, and, and then uh, ablution items like uh, key soaps. You know, yeah. Uh, Laura's very keen on the idea. And I'm as well, I've using the same um, um, uh, sort of, soaps and shampoos that you used to uh the water will change but if you yeah you don't want an allergy you know, when you don't a, need it no exactly skin allergies everything so uh, little things they sound like the, the ridiculous uh like not important but those kind of things i think are, are some of the marginal gain things that could really help keep healthy absolutely and you touched on this uh a minute ago on sort of what parts you're you're taking but could we uh explore that a little bit more yeah so what What's on your list to keep a tandem running for 180 days? You're 18,000 miles. Right. So it's, it's, it's ever so. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's not an exact science because wear is literally dependent on uh, not just usage but uh, conditions with the usage. Um, so uh, you know, keeping your ch- my, my, you know, the chain clean and 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 lubed, for example can make the cassette last potentially up to 3000 miles longer. You might get sort of 4,000 miles out of a cassette, which is the rear set of gears, or you might get 10,000. So, so I've got to think on averages. So we've basically come down to uh, an understanding in my mind of uh, three chains to a cassette and one cassette every 6,000 miles. So it's going to be around, um, three cassettes and nine chains for the whole trip. Uh, the belt drive, because we've got a crossover drive, which combines, which is called the timing chain, which keeps our legs turning and together mm-hmm. on the tandem. Uh, we've moved uh, quite to the 20, well, it's not really 21st century, but it's, um, it's, it's fairly modern having a, a belt drive, uh, which is a carbon uh, belt drive crossover rather than a chain. Okay. Which is just like you get, like a cam belt in a car mm-hmm. or a, um, a, a belt driven, thing that you get on blowers for aircraft. Is that lighter? So the, a lot of these things, that, yeah, they are lighter, stronger, don't snap, and, uh, well, they might snap, but they don't stretch, sorry. Yeah. So they very, very, very rarely snap. So so to carry a spare one of them, 
is going to be a lot better than carrying two and a half chains that you normally have a crossover of a tandem. So uh, we'll carry one of those and hopefully never use it because that could last the duration. Yeah. You know, one chain, one belt drive should last the whole thing. So that was a good choice. Disc pads, well, they're smaller and lighter uh, than brake blocks and I can carry an awful lot of them. The wear on a disc, uh, it's very, uh, again, you might have 5,000 miles on the flat, barely touch your brakes, or you might be in a hilly area and in wet weather and go through a set of pads in a day or two. That is really, really the case. So something can last months or, or days. So, and then tires is the next big one. Well, we've got these expedition tires uh, by Schwalbe, uh, who are kindly uh, sponsoring us. And they're kind of akin to a marathon plus, but they're not marathon plus. So they've not got that kind of weight or uh, rolling resistance that they have. But they're the, the most highly puncture resistant expedition sort of group tire, which can sort of meet gravel and road. So, again, on a road bike, people have been talking about getting over 10,000 kilometers a tire. On a tandem with weight, it, you know, they're going to wear a lot quicker. But I'm hoping at 6,000 and 12,000, out of the 18,000, to get fresh tyres. So I'll get three at a time. So I always want to carry one yeah. and roughly have two to the back, one to the front, keep the front one on for 6,000 and two on the back. But, you know, the tyres that we've gone for, um, I've got exceptional reviews for not being too bad on on asphalt pretty good on gravel and really really wear resistance and and that kind of uh enduring quality is what you're after um so they're not particularly light but we're not light are we so an 850 gram tire is uh you know it, it's all about longevity i don't want to be thinking every thousand or 2000 miles, where's, where's the nearest shop for a bike tire that might fit? If we can get these bag drops and I go, three tires are gonna get me there, three tires are gonna get me there, then that's that's win-win. One of the other things I'd say about, um, in terms of um, the maintenance side of things is looking, you know, it's the self-sufficiency of looking after yourself, and that's tautology. But uh, you know, we, you know, I've got to carry tooling and I'm not, I don't want to rely on going, Laura, where's the nearest bike shop? I'm, I'm going to carry all the tools for, for removing the cassette, for example, being able to remove the bottom brackets, tighten the bottom bracket, bracket cups, um, but done in as lightweight, efficient way as possible. So there's various aluminium tooling now, there and now, which can shave off, you know, perhaps a bottom bracket spanner might uh, weigh 190 grams. You can get one at 88 grams. So... Yeah, and it's, it's all about marginal extra, gains, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to cost us an extra 30-odd quid, but guess what? It, that's nothing compared to 180 days around the world. You know, we want to keep... So there's certain things you can't change the weight of. For example, like I just said, 850 grams for a tyre that's going to last. But there's perhaps 10 things that I can take 100 grams off, and then that's that spare tyre being carried for you. Yeah. And we're trying to look at those things... Um, really objectively over over the, the packing stage you know the the control centers getting everything laid out it's quite a normal thing to do now get a massive spread and look what's essential and and what isn't and if it is essential can it can we make it lighter so what's in sort of the the bare bare essentials toolkit then 
Oh, crikey. Uh, just the highlights, I guess. Or, or yeah, maybe well, some surprises, what people might not expect. Okay, uh, well, what I will say, what I will say is the multi-tool is, is a fantastic thing for the back of, a, a, you know, a, a mountain bikers or a roadman's, um, when I say roadman, of course, you know, I mean, um, you know, a road person's uh, little pack on the back of the saddle. So you, you, you'd have uh, something that, you know, one tool do it all. And that mm-hmm. is simply not sufficient for maintaining a tandem. So yeah, there are some fantastic ones. We've even been given one by one of our sponsors and it's fantastic. It's lightweight. The tools look like the work, but I still won't risk taking out individual um, Allen, Allen sockets. Into, it's, it's just, you've got to go for real Allen keys, real um, tie levers, uh, in this case, at least two steel and, and one plastic or aluminium, um, a real chain chain removal tool, because yeah. uh, you can get ones which say they'll do it. And we just can't, this is going to be used over and over again. It's six months. But if you think about most, a serious cyclist might do 6,000 miles in a year uh, and say that's a good year. And if you're trying to do all that in six months, that's you know, the, the maintenance is, is really compressed, but, but very, very important. So, so the, the kit will be um, as small as possible, but it, I, there'll be big things like say this bottom bracket spanner, um, eight mil Allen keys uh, for pedal removal and also bottom bracket removal. Well, you cannot get an eight mil Allen key with a long arm that's under a certain weight. You need that for the torque to get yeah. the things tight enough to be safe. So, uh, the, you know, where you can lose weight uh, is, is with things like, uh, you know, glueless patches and, and new inner tubes. We've got a modern inner tube that weighs only 61 grams. It's wow. a half the weight of a, of a, of a butyl rubber, uh, maybe more than that. And it's kind of like a plasticized thing. And, and then you don't ever repair the inner tube with, with glue or with scratching. It's literally a alcohol wipe and a glueless patch. And th- this is quite a modern thing, which I'd never heard of. And the, they're also completely non-porous, uh, unlike a, a rubber tube. So you don't get that natural, even if you don't have a puncture, you don't just like need to pump your tires up every four or five days yeah. or a week. It, this, these last 30 days without, without any pressure change. Wow. So if you don't have a puncture, keep it 60 PSI on these two-inch tires. Guess what? Happy days, and those sort of things uh, are, are, are good to know. So, in the toolkit after that, it, it, you know, so it's the the array of Allen keys for every operation that you might need, and that that kind of goes from two or two and a half mil, in this case, up to eight mil. And I'm going to take real Allen keys, and as you know, with a multi tool, you go, oh, we've got it all, and we say shave some weight off, but. Um, it's just not the risk. So in my experience so, uh, with those uh, as well, you end up carrying things that you don't need for the sake of saving yeah. weight for the things that you do. And um, I'm, I'm, yeah. it can be a false economy. That's right. And that's kind of what I think I said earlier. It's like the certain things you've got to accept are the weight they are, and they are absolute essentials. And, uh, and certain tooling will be that. Uh, but for example, um, I've had a special tool made by the Tandem Shop for removing a cassette and to remove a cassette on a bike uh, the cluster of gears it used to require the wheel being out a chain whip which is basically a chain attached to a large lever 
to hold the cassette from moving whilst you then use another tool with a, with a wrench to take a lock ring off to stop the thing spinning uh, on its ratchet. Mm -hmm. And and there's, a, there's tools out there now where there's a very, very small, it, it looks like a lock ring, uh, the, the, the fitting that goes in the lock ring, but that's all it is. And you take the wheel out, you put it on, you put it back in and jam it against the, um, the frame or in the dropout and then turn the wheel as your lever. And then the chain uh, that you've already got on acts as the whip. So you save two, 300 grams just by having that made. But of course, this modern bike has got what they call through axle um, uh, hubs. So it, none of, there's literally not been one made yet to cope with through axle uh, touring. So I said to the guy at the tandem shop, I says, well, I've, I've got the, uh, the MK2, which is designed for vertical dropouts. It does. It's not going to fit. He says, "Send it to me, and and I'll I'll make one." And he and he's oh, he's, he's shaved a bit off, brazed a bit on, and uh, and and he's tested it and, and made a, a one-off, uh, ultra lightweight cassette removal tool for for us for an emergency. Nice. And that would be for for replacing spokes. So there's another thing that's in the kit, you know. So disc pads. Uh, yeah, tubes, tires, they're kind of normal. Spare spokes on ultra tours, long tours are needed because you don't want to break a spoke, but it, it's going to happen. If it does happen, you've got to be able to deal with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or you're, desert, or, or you're then trying to find a replacement wheel in very short order. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So that, uh, when we're recording this on what is the, the 11th of May, uh, and I believe you just recently, within the last few days, collected your tandem. Uh, that you're very yeah, very, very exciting. It was, yeah, anyone that knows anything about preparation would think, why have you, why is it taken so long? But there are lots of reasons which I won't talk about right now. But so, yeah, four, four weeks in advance, we, we've got the, the amazing brand new co-motion tandem. I've run tandems for 20 years and, nothing special shall we say just an off the peg doors galaxy which has, has ridden great because that's all i've ever had uh, to be used to but to have something um with over massively oversized uh, you know uh, steel tubes uh by reynolds they're still making the best tubes in the business mm -hmm. uh, from britain uh even though it's an american made frame it it's just it just feels when you ride it like this is meant to go somewhere and this is stiff this is comfortable and and it's safe it just feels like there's a pothole there you are okay you know and so it feels it's going to be some rough... different to your previous tandems then very oh, massively fit, but also uh, sort of capability yeah yeah and the fit the custom fit was uh very very important to actually find something who you know the laura and i are uh, we're like polar opposites in terms of our size as a lot of people may know so to stare at this bike it or it, it kind of the way it, you know, it takes a six foot four man at the front and morphs down to a five foot two lady uh it, it's an odd thing to stare at and and then it works it works so so well she's comfortable i'm comfortable and and that you know, even only on the first 50 miles, that's all we've done. We're going on a training tour, a uh, shakedown mini camping trip this weekend with, with everything. And we, I just know the, the, the handlebar height, you know, the, there's three points of contact for a, for a rider. 
and that's your bum, your feet, and your hands. And on a, for long distance riding, you you have to have them absolutely in equilibrium to know that you can put the weight on the bum when you take it off the hands, the weight on the hands when you take it off the bum, the weight on your feet when you want to take it off both of them. And just that subtlety, uh, that's what custom uh, fitting is all about. Having the old bikes where a one, a one bike will fit whoever can get on. And that's all I've ever had to get used to. And I've had a lot of issues with neck and, and wrist issues because of the, the extra, shall we say, uh, pressure of, of, of the load. Uh, you know, when you've got someone else on the back, it's not like riding a solo bike tandem riding is uh it's more weight more load bearing yeah so uh i'm no, really pleased it, to hear it, it's, it's what you'd what you'd expect and hope for yeah and then of course we've not mentioned it but the the, mo the reason we say oh, why have you had a new tandem well there's a literal reason and that is you cannot get a tandem on on commercial flights now uh you might have gone uh, many years ago uh as some kind of odd awkward awkward uh, uh, luggage thing but now they need to be packed into bike boxes and we have couplings which means that the tandem separates not quite in the middle but roughly two-thirds one-third so the bike splits so we can put one bike you know one half of the bike in a bike box and by that I mean a cardboard box that had a bike in for pack it all up safe and then put the other one in another one and then we uh, pop on two hopefully very protected cardboard boxes onto the planes and then reassemble at the other end. So that is a huge, important factor. Absolutely essential. Probably the most essential factor. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so a couple more things I wanted to ask about. Um, mm -hmm. One was how you're approaching sort of the, the pacing of the route. You know, are you going out with a set, you know, this day we want to do 110 miles. The next, you know, tomorrow we're only looking to do 90 though because of the terrain. You know, are you doing it distance-based or are you looking, I think, uh, Mark Bowman took a sort of a different approach and went for like time in the saddle rather than looking at distance when yeah. he did his record. Okay, was, How are you approaching that that side of sort of the route planning? Well, I, yeah, I was, if you hadn't mentioned that, I would have mentioned that. So, so yeah, if you perhaps unsupported and you, and it, the idea of uh, of endurance of just going don't worry about the numbers don't worry about the mileage just do the the time the average will average out as it were so so mark could go i'm doing four hours on four hours off four hours on four hours off if it's a blockhead win one day and i and, I, and i'm not making the so it's basically um if if you you can make more miles up on a tailwind day and less miles on a, on a headwind day as long as you do the time in the saddle you can keep the effort level and the recovery the same so that's what he would do and did do but when you are um you know bikepacking essentially you've got some other things to consider uh, and that is real life you've got to stop to eat you've got to find somewhere to sleep you've got to um you, you've got to involve yourself with the um uh, the cultures and the communities uh, so i actually think the distance we're trying to choose for the rep for our record attempt is trying to find that balance where we would from a mental point of view want to achieve the distances we've set to stay on average because it's not asking too much the worst case the hardest day a block headwind if we rode 110 miles and we were 10 miles an hour our riding time 
would be 11 hours. Our break time, yes, you know, so about 12, 13 hours later, we could be exhausted, but we've still done the daily amount and we can stop and still get uh, enough sleep and then hope that it eases up. It might take weeks for that wind to go, but we're going to get days when there's a tailwind and we've just whizzed through 110 miles and gone, we've got to do another block. We've got to, got to do another you know, 20, 30 miles because you know, we want to get to five, six o'clock. Yeah. So, so my theory is the worst days, we can still do it. On great days, we can not have a holiday, but we can, we can interact with the culture. We can, we can experience the world. We can wash things. Laura can catch up. Um, you know, we can do some filming. She can catch up with the blogs. We're, we're not actually understanding yet. I just read the Guinness guidelines and we've got to start doing witness statements and log books and things. There's, there's so many things that are just going to start eating into time. So a good day is a good day to keep on top of your health, your hygiene and your, um, your, your endurance, you know, you, you know, the way to go on tomorrow is to be feeling good by the end of today. So yeah. the worst day will be feeling exhausted and going, all I want is sleep and then hope you can go on tomorrow. And hopefully there's going to be less of them than there are. We can finish, a, you know, we finish a bit early. So in answer to your question, on our recce route of going around Wales, which was um, going around the circumference of Wales in eight days at race pace or ride pace, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. um, we worked out that trying to do things in th- three-hour blocks or 35 miles, whichever comes soonest before or before stopping, is going to really work for us. So we're going to set off with no faff, try and get up and away within an hour for wherever we are, mm-hmm. ride uh, for, th- for 35 miles or three hours, whichever comes soonest, have a break, proper break, you know, enjoy something, have a coffee, get some culture, have some chats, have half an hour, then do it again. And then that's lunch, like a late lunch, but you've already cracked the day and then go on towards the afternoon or evening, a really bad day. You're going to go into the evening, a really good day. It'll be afternoon, late afternoon. And then, then clean stuff, then check the bike, then then sleep and you know, eat, sleep, rest, those kind of things. So, so our theory, which is actually not that far off a mark, it's, it's still doing this uh, assiduous three hours or 35 miles. I know that sounds like a rubbish average speed, but this is a laden tandem around the world on roads that you don't know. And sometimes 11 and 12 mile an hour is really hard to attain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's going to average out, isn't it? Um... I, yeah. that, that sounds like a really good solution of sort of a, a hybrid, whichever comes first, whether it's the time or, or the distance. Yeah. So I'm literally using both those um, um, uh, options in that, and I think that will work. Excellent. Of course, there may, there may be a point where at 27 miles, there's this local roadside that's just waved you over and you're, you, you're going to stop it. We're going around the world once, you know, you're going to speak to someone and say hello and have a photo. We're not, we're not in this because I think we just want to change. We want to, we want to do what we want to do, but we've got to experience the world at the speed of a bike. So if I came up with an analogy the other day and it was just when we were riding, let's go, as long as we're moving, we're not in a rush. Yeah. And if you can imagine that, that means if, if we're turning the pedals, it doesn't matter if that's six mile an hour on a mountain pass or, or 45 going down a 5% with a tailwind. But if we're, if we're moving, we're not in a rush. 
if we're stopped, then think about how long you stopped for. Yeah, that, that's where you've got to, where you can lose so much time, isn't it, in the, the stationary time. Uh, and that will make, yeah. a, minimising that will make a bigger impact than, you know, pushing 16 miles an hour instead of 15. Yeah, and at the same time, if you get a block headwind and you go, well, we've got to really push for 14, 15 mile an hour, well, you're just going to drain you. The amount of damage you can do to yourself in a block, you know, in a block headwind. Yeah. You just go, you know, you know, you take, go down the gears, you breathe, keep your heart rate. I mean, I'm not so so big on um, uh, power meters and uh, and heart rate monitors back in the day, but understanding yourself is everything. And you know, if you can still talk, if you can talk to Laura at the back, or she can talk to me, just just talk if it's really hard, then you know you're not trying too too hard. In the old days, you used to call it upper level two. Yeah. So there was a level one, which was like recovery. Level two had two, you know, lower and upper, and then three and four. Four was basically anaerobic. So if you can go between, you know, the, the, those two, you know, parts of what are called level two, like super easy chatting or just hard chatting, that's where we're looking at being all the time. Absolutely. Uh, so a few, well, I've got one last question and then some tandem trivia. So... Mm -hmm. Something a mate asked me in the pub last week, uh, which I thought was a good question. Um, just why why do it on a tandem and not two individual bikes? What's the appeal of the tandem specifically? Right. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So riding the first thing, well, the way I'd answer that question broadly, and the broadly is why should you ride a tandem with a friend or a or a spouse, or but basically any one of differing abilities. So if so, if you can ride a bike together, where you know you are of of differing abilities, where you can suffer the hill at the same time, the descent at the same time, the the, the way it sort of uh, creates the playing the playing field gets really nice and level, and you are one team all of a sudden. Your actions. And their and their actions are what are important. So, if you're on your bike and you're riding uh, with someone that you're faster than, let's just say, you go, oh, I've got to the top of the hill. They they've got that. They've tried the hardest, and they're behind you. And then they can't descend as fast as you. So you've waited thirty seconds at the top of the hill. You go, oh, and then you go down, and then they can't descend as well as you. And then oh, 45 seconds on a descent because of break on the brakes, and you've just shown how great you are as a downhill skier. Then it's not going to create a nice dynamic. So, so around the world, unless you, you've very similar ability and a massive understanding, then you've got this issue where I've done it before. I've been on wonderful cycle tours with with, with mates where I've, I've had to wait at the top of a mountain, or someone's had to wait for me. And so on a tandem, all of a sudden. You suffer the same pain at the same time. You are one unit. You know, you, you know, it doesn't matter who's strongest. You have to be both strong together. You give everything uh, what you can, what level you can give, and that creates um, that creates the team. And then you've got the issue of wow, this is really unique because you know if you get uh, really poorly, it's like you've got to rest. I don't want to rest. So I've got to, I've got to, I've got to be compassionate. I've got to wait for that, and they say, "Well, how soon can you get better so you can get on and keep riding, or can you ride poorly, uh, uh, and then I ride knowing that, well, just do what I can for like two, three hours whilst you 
get through that that day to the end of that day. So I just think a tandem thing is it's a bit like well, it's family or or marriage. In this case, it literally is. So we have to uh, so we uh, we survive together. We like we 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 win together or we fail together. So so why a tandem? It's basically. It's also it's it's going to turn more heads, isn't it? Yeah, T- turn up on a bike. Um, okay, my my beard, my beard will do an awful lot, but anywhere <laughs> around the world, pop into a cafe, stop, put a put a little note out saying we we are still a tandem, trying to go around the world as fast as anyone's faster than anyone's ever done it. Um, people are just going to smile, nod, and help, and that's the general, the general sort of. I just know that from traveling. People are nice. You know, nearly all people are nice. Absolutely. So, and, and tandems always seem to turn heads and, and spark conversation. Yeah. But do you get my point about um, the different the different abilities? I mean, Laura's, Laura's done everything that we've ever done on a tandem on her own bike. She's very, very adamant to know she's not got, as she calls it, her feet up at the back. And, yeah, yeah she's not being carried. But, uh, yes, could I go around the world faster than Laura? Yeah, I can. But... That's not just because me and Laura. It's just because you know it could be Laura that go past, yeah, faster around the world than me. Yeah, it sounds like it adds it adds an extra dynamic to cycling uh, in that yeah. that teamwork element. That yes, you might get a sort of competitive race cycling, but it's a different kind of teamwork, isn't it? Um, it is. It is a different kind of teamwork, and this the one that you're more ultimately proud of as well. If you do something when it, it wasn't just you, I mean. A lot of the time, like on a supported ride, the teamwork becomes the team that isn't riding the bike with you. And yeah. people like Mark have gone, it's not, you know, I might have gone around the world in 78 and a half days, but everyone else went around the world with, you know, that, that, that is not his record. It's their, everyone's it's, record. This is a collective record. Yeah. So, for, so from our point of view, with an unsupported record, it's, it's a huge, huge team thing. And, and guess what? Without either either of us, we can't complete it. I can't leave her and carry on and carry you know, around. So that's why. I think, and also, I don't know if I can think of something really simple about the tandem. It's just it's just bloody joyous. You know, you you, you have arguments and you have incredible incredible moments of just hysteria and fun. Yeah. And you don't do that riding two solo bikes with a slipstream. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. I've, I've only ridden the tandem a few times, but uh, the takeaway for me was just an amazing way to make shared memories with someone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well put. Cool. So uh, I want to wrap up with Laura's uh, usual tandem trivia questions. Um, I think we know yeah. the answer to the first one. Have you ever ridden a tandem bicycle? And we can tick that one off. Uh, hang on, hang on. Let me I'm really good think about that. Uh, yeah, I've not ridden a triplet, by the way. So this could, this could all go on to the next series. Ooh. Have you ever ridden a triplet? Okay, might well mm. stick that in the memory bank for, for when you're back. Yeah, no, I know I haven't. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, we we do know. Yeah, so that question is good. That's that's the that's the quick one. So um, if you could have anyone on your tandem, living, dead, cyclist, sports person, or otherwise, uh, other than Laura. Uh, who would it be, and would you have them as stoker or captain? Oh, I didn't know that was an option uh, in my mind. 
yeah, that, that, that says a lot about being a control freak, doesn't it? <laughs> like, 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 like I am the captain. Uh, right. Uh, I should have had a lot of time to think about this because I know that's what she always asks. I kind of, uh, I've got, it might be a cheat answer, but I'm not going to give one. Absolutely. So, so from a sporting point of view, um, well, no, actually, okay, yeah. From a sporting point of view, I, I would probably go with um, someone current, someone modern, and that could be, uh, you know, uh, a, a really lightweight, incredible professional, super high power to weight ratio. Someone like uh, Annemiek van Vluten, who's the greatest female um, rider, road rider at the minute, or a Simon or an Adam Yates. Because to have a little diminutive person on the back being put in through so much power, I just think would be an amazing thing to feel uh, on a tandem. That's just from a road point of view. Uh, from um, a pure fun point of view, and what's going to make an amazing bike ride, I think I thought of Ricky Gervais uh, to start with, thinking... He can sing, so he could sing to me, and we're gonna have a great chat. And he's and he, and he laughs, and you, and and you're not gonna get a boring moment. And but then I thought, hang on a minute, he he hasn't perhaps really worried about his sport in his life. And and then I thought about Tim Minchin, and for me, Tim Minchin, I think he's looked after himself reasonable. I think he does exercise, uh, and to ha- I could even get him a little miniature keyboard put on the Stoker handlebars. And then a Tim Minchin could he could talk about the world. He could do his TED talk on me, and I'd go. I'm just getting a I'm being a better person for listening to you. I don't quite understand everything you're saying, but I can't help but nod. Nice. And then he could sing absolutely ridiculous songs, the, the stuff that he's just ripped the self, you know, the piss out of himself for for twenty odd years. And I think it would be an amazing person to have on the back. The only downside, me an Australian, of course. Uh, that's <laughs> just me joking. That's me joking. Don't. don't no one comment on that. Uh, and well, then answer. the other one, the, the, the key one, the key one is me. Just, just me. You know, okay. another version of another, me. Another because you. that way, then I can't complain about the cadence. You know, it's got to be what well, I that's want. A, that's a great um, answer. <laughs> yeah, the the, the 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 conversation is exactly the same as I'd have on a solo bike. This <laughs> is just me talking to myself. And um, uh, ultimately, I've got no one to complain about when we're in a blockhead wind or going uphill and going, who's putting the most effort in? It's obviously equal. So that's my answers, I think. Oh, that's great answers. Do you think you'd fall out with yourself in that context? Or would you get on with with Alter Stevie? Both. I think you fall out and make up. That's life. Absolutely. so Laura says that uh, the two of you are, are uh, rather, rather cheesily joined by the frame. Uh, so what sort of one item thing, could be a tool, food, piece of clothing, whatever, are you joined by the frame to? What, what goes with you on all rides, no matter what? Oh, all rides. Well, I tell you what, I'll deflect it a little bit to on all rides, not rather than with me. Uh, my mum and my dad might listen to this, so please forgive me, mum and dad. <laughs> I really love, I'm joined by the frame also to uh, beer. Uh, I love having a drink at the end of a ride, just just to sort of, 
it just seems to be the internal massage that you can't afford. Uh, yeah, you can't afford a full massage, but an internal massage does just as well with people to chat to. And, uh, and especially on a tandem, you finish the day, have a little drink, feel proud. And um, I'm also passionate about beer as well. So going around the world, might get some rubbish beer, might get some interesting beer, might get some good beer, but getting the odd but beautiful beer is definitely something that I'm joined by the frame to inextricably linked. Definitely. Excellent. Then good. Um, and last one, I'm going to have to change a little bit. Um, Cause normally it's why should the two of you cycle around the world and break the tandem record? So I guess the question is why, why are you? Well, hopefully that goes back to the very, from the very first, uh, questions or comments and basically the only reason you know, could we always do it can we, well we could always try yeah like many many people can but uh laura is the is the reason you know laura has put so much work in and i'm training i'm the mechanic i can do this i'm i've got some some uh, history and some skills but without her yeah, that's the reason why. That's the reason we can, actually. Laura is the reason we can, and I think if I uh, if I do my bit, keep us safe, keep the bike healthy, and uh, then we do it. Then that's what that was the whole point. Yeah, the tandem tandem experience. Mm -hmm.